I will praise Him seven times a day. I'll praise Him seven times a day for His for His righteous judgment. I will praise Him seven times a day. And boy, that I saw that and just got stuck in me. And you know, and I, and, and I realized that I just don't praise Him enough. I don't think about how good He is. 
There's a book called The Most Important Year of the Planet. 
looking in that saddle is because he was going down the road one day driving the car and he looked and here comes this girl jogging up the street with a little girl outfit on and he's jumping, jogging up the street and he starts bumping at the watch and he's in the rear end of the car. So he had to go home and tell his wife, you know, he had an accident and she asked him why uh, he told her he was reaching down to get something. So as a result of that, that book came. But every woman's
God's will is not done in heaven. And so Jesus tells us that we are to pray in our lives, in our homes, in our businesses, everything, that God's will will always be done. Now, when you're trying to do God's will in your life, it's not going to be easy on your job, whatever. But that's what He said for us to pray. In other words, this was not a suggestion. Christians are to have an effect on their environment, and it starts in the home and hopefully spreads to other areas. Why do we got all these problems in the world that we're living in today? Because we have not taken dominion. We have not overcome. We've not done the things that God told us to do. It's exactly right. And so, Romans 8, 19, listen to what this says. It says, For the earnest expectation of creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. Now, I've heard this verse preached so many times, and it says, Boy, the creation is groaning. And because the creation is groaning, waiting, waiting for what? Waiting for Jesus to come back. And I believe that is true right way. But that's not what that verse says. If you look at that verse, what it says, what's the creation eagerly waiting for? It's waiting for the revealing of the sons of God. What does that mean? That means the creation today is waiting for you and I to take dominion over this world. That's what He's waiting for. And if you go on and you read a little bit farther, you read on, it says, For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of Him who subjected it in hope, because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption to the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pains together until now. It's waiting for the revealing of the sons of God. Now, I know this world's not going to be perfect as it is done. But that's why Jesus asked the question. When He comes back, will He find faith on this earth? God is instructing us and telling us we are to have dominion. You know, and so why is the creation growing? Not just for Christ coming back, but for the sons of God to take dominion over creation and the environment and our culture. So let me give you six ways God ordained marriage and all six are relative to this culture and this time that we're living in. Here's number one, and I hope you've you got this up. Number one, the idea of, and, and all these are simplistic, and yet by the same token, they're profound in the day and time that we live in. What's the first one? The first one says the idea of male and female. That was God's idea. God said that we are to have we are to have we are to be male and female. Now listen to what it says over in Genesis one twenty seven. It says so God created man in his own image. In the image of God he created him, male and female, he created them. So what's it saying? It says God created a man and he created a woman. How simple can it be? He created them after his own image, male and, and female. And so Genesis 1 declares the fact of man's creation. When you get into Genesis 2, it reveals the process by which all this occurred. Now, here's the essential proof for marriage, that God made male and female for his own purpose. Right? Now, think about that in a moment. God made male and he made female for his own purpose. So anything beyond that is not for his purpose. That's what the Lord says. And so the essential 
so here, here we go. The essential truth is that God made male and female for His own purpose, creation of two kinds of people, man and women, not 57 different varieties of genders. And let me just say this to you. You need to talk to your children. Yeah, I'm, I'm serious. You need to have this conversation with your kids about being a male. And, and one of the things, I think there's two things that, that men need to do, with, especially men need to do as the leaders of the home, with, if you've got a, a young boy, a son, or whatever, then you need to do two things. Number one, you need to tell him that you love him. A father needs to tell his son that he loves him. And then he needs to do this. He needs to look at him and he needs to say, somewhere along the line, and approve of him and say, Son, you're a man. You're a man. I'm not talking about gender now. I'm talking about that you approve of him because that's what he, he wants you to look at him and see that you think that you are, that he, you think he is a man. That you're proud of him. There's too many little boys walking around waiting for the approval of their father, but you need to let them know that you're proud of them and that, son, I really believe that you're a man. Now, if, here's the other thing. If you've got a little girl in your home, then let me just say this to you. Number one, you need to tell her you love her. Number two, you need to do this. You need to tell her that she's beautiful. I don't care how, how much she weighs. I don't care anything else about her or anything else. You need to tell her that she's beautiful. Don't wait to Hollywood to come in and try to set the, 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 the things around her to her to decide what she looks like or what she's supposed to be conformed to. She's conformed to God's image. And so we need to do this. This is not a conspiracy that God came up with, male and female, to stop the ambition of the women's liberation movement. This is not put down, a put down for women. No, but in a loving and amazing creative act, Almighty God conceived the wonderful mystery of male and female that masculinity and femininity would bring joy in our lives. That's what He wants. I color this world would be if we only had one sex. And who would want to live in an all-male or all-female with one sex or a unisex type of world? I wouldn't. But let me tell you something. That's exactly what you want. Who would want to live that way? But our culture today is filled with people who refuse to see and rejoice in the fundamental differences between male and female will never, and if that's the case, they will never learn how to trust the divine goodness of God's plan for marriage. You need to emphasize this with your children. For male and for female, you need to do this. Number two, marriage was designed by God to meet the first problem of the human race. What it is? Loneliness. Loneliness. Marriage was designed by God to meet the first problem of the human race, and that was loneliness. Look what it listen to what it says in chapter two, verse eighteen. It says this, starting with verse eighteen through I think it reads six twenty two. Eighteen through twenty two. Look what it says. And the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. Uh, and out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the air and brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. And, every, and everywhere,
that was his its name. I don't know where he is. You ever been in a biology class or some college or whatever? And they, they, they make you do. You ever had to do that? And they, they make you do a bug collection. You got patients out every time one of the bugs, and everything else, and bugs. You had to put them on a pen and put them on alcohol. And then you had to you had to have the names of the scientific name and the common name. I, you talk about a mess. That was. You had those bugs stuck in. But I can imagine, I appreciate what Adam did when he was when he was naming all the cattle and the birds of the air and every beast of the field. But for Adam, look what this says. But for Adam, there was not found a helper comparable to him. And then verse 21 says, I think this is the one. Yeah, I am the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam and he slept and he took one of his ribs and closed up his flesh and his clothes. And verse 22 says, and in the rib which Married, 
that was to solve that problem, that you would no longer be alone. But there are parents, people, the way women and the way wives and husbands live their lives, they live their lives as if they are a separate person. They live as if, you know, even to the point of sleeping in separate bedrooms and everything else, as a result of that, why? Because they're, they're still alone, and God doesn't want that. He, he gave marriage to us to do what? Personal relationship is what he's saying here, 
And so Charles Rari, who wrote the Rari Bible, suggests that this verse suggests the Hebrew word for women is said meaning to be soft and described as delightful femininity to women. That's what Adam saw. What, what women's lib has basically done more than anything else is they have taken women at the top of the rung of the ladder and pushed them down. In God's eyes, they were at the top. And He expected men to treat them that way. Remember a few years ago, one farm teacher's meeting back in those days, and my son, Charles,
bring peace into your life so that you can do that. But that's got to take place. So, so neither wife, so for three major reasons. Scripture makes it clear. We must continue to honor mother and father. We're responsible for them as they grow older, but we are no longer responsible to them. This means that husband and wives need to refocus their lives on each other. This also means things of lesser priority. Here's a husband and wife. You need to focus on one another. That means lesser things. Business, your career, your hobbies. Your, your talents, your interests, even your children and church work. See, I see some people, some people that are so busy in church work, they don't have time for the kids. This is why preachers' kids act the way they do. Because they spend all their time taking care of everybody else, and they haven't taken care of their own, own family. So everything must be put into proper perspective. And so let me ask you this question. When your husband comes home, do you take time to acknowledge his presence? I'm being serious. This is biblical. When your husband comes home, do you take time to acknowledge his presence? Do you do you purposely go to your wife and take her uh, and, and, and take time to listen to what her day is doing, to focus on what her husband's doing? And I will say this too: if your focus is entirely in your marriage on your children, guess what? The day's going to come and they're going to raise things up and they're going to fly the nest, and then you you're going to look at one another. And all your time for the children, you're not going to know one another. So for those who are considering marriage, are you willing to leave all else? Because if you're not, you'll never develop the thrilling oneness of relationship that God intended for every marriage to have. Here's the fifth. Marriage requires an inseparable joining of husband and wife throughout their life. Genesis 2, 20. What does it say? It says, Therefore man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Now, and, and I, I, I love this, I, you know, uh, be joined together, or really, I'm reading this, I, I love it in the, in the King James Version, because here's what it says, They shall cleave to one another. You're going to hang with one another. To hold on for dear life. We spend a lifetime cleaving. No, it's not like a meat cleaver used to divide meat, but it is. It, it's not it. It means to adhere, to stick, to attach by some tie. Verb suggests a determined purpose or action to compact together, to stick like glue and be welded together so that the two cannot be separated without damaging the bone. And if that separation does occur, and what we call divorce, let me just say this to you. You know what the Bible describes as divorce is? The Bible describes divorce as a ripping out of the heart. This is why God hates us. He doesn't hate you. He loves you. But He knows that when two people get a divorce, what's He going to do? There's, there's effects that happen that you just can't, you have a hard time getting over. It's a ripping out of that, it's a ripping out of literally that heart. That's the way God sees it. He knows the effect. So God has a powerful message to both marriage and, and, and that's what the husband is primarily responsible to do everything possible to be all he can be in order to form ties with his wife that will make them inseparable. And the wife must respond to her husband in the same manner. And those ties are to be forged in steel. Listen to what it says over in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 10, verse 20. You, I, and I, I, wish, I wish you could read this. I'm going to read this. Let me read this in the King James. Thou shalt fear the Lord thy God 
him shalt thou serve, and to him thou shalt cleave and swear by his name. We're going to cleave to Deuteronomy 11, 24. If you shall diligently keep all these commandments which you command you to do them, to love the Lord your God and to walk in the ways and to cleave unto him. You shall walk after the Deuteronomy 13, 4. You walk in the Lord your God and fear him and keep his commandments and obey his voice, and you shall serve him and cleave unto him. Deuteronomy 30, 20. That thou mayest love the Lord thy God with all thou mayest obey his voice, and thou mayest cleave unto him. For he is thy life and the length of thy days, and thou shalt make dwell in the land which the Lord swore unto the fathers, to Abraham and to Isaac and Jacob and to them. He cleaves. And anything that is has the potential of dividing you in any way should be avoided. I will tell you, I've seen couples that get divided not because somebody's been unfaithful. They get divided because they got themselves into financial trouble. They get themselves in a way that they, or a guy starts playing golf all the time. Or, 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 or something else happens. And cleaving always involves two characteristics. An unswerving loyalty and an active pursuing love that will not let go. Too many of us, we've got no fault divorce today, and the whole thing about it is, you know, you just got to go down there and sign the papers and it's all over and done. God wants you to cleave, to hang on, to hang on. But you see, you don't realize that your hard person that you love and care for is fallible, and you're going to have a great misconception. There's going to be times that you're going to mess up. There's going to be times you've got to forgive them. Sister Sixers on her marriage knees and oneness in the fullest possible sense includes intimacy physically meaning without shame. They were both naked when the man Genesis 24 and verse 25 to tell them that no man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and they shall become one flesh and they were both naked as man and wife and they were not ashamed. They were both naked as man and wife and they were not ashamed. There is no shame when you do it God's way. Sex is not dirty. God invented sex. But if the grass, when it is placed in its place, is beautiful, but you take it out of its place, it becomes dirty. People say, well, we love one another good. Then, then do the right. If you truly value that other person, then marry them. Then marry them. Now, some say that marriage is just a piece of paper. No, it's not. Marriage is not just a piece of paper. This is what we've done. It is a blessing of God on the union, and I believe that if you don't have that blessing, you can't make it. It is God putting His hand in the middle of your hands and blessing that union, putting His approval on that union. God created something quite remarkable if it is followed. And we say two will become one. This is more than just togetherness. No one has been able to explain what it means for two people to become one. Even Tucker thinks that for this to take place, the marriage must be monogamous for two people only to be one. And by the way, I also believe that in the day in the early church, there were those people that were, you know, you could go over to the book of Titus and go over to the book of Timothy that talks about deacons and elders there, and it goes on to say, Goes on to say that one, the only place you will pull it out is for the president and his wife. It doesn't talk. We don't talk about all the other qualifications like whether you serve in the government. But let me just say this to you: I don't think that mean, I don't believe that means that that person is number one. I heard years ago, old John O. Wright, uh, one of the most conservative people there was. 
homosexual marriage being promoted in our culture today is a pathetic misfortune.
Thank you, sir. 